Hello and welcome to the Audio Epics podcast. My name is Domin. And I'm Eileen. And, um, you know, it's nice to be talking to you again. Um, what's new, uh, you ask? Well, I'll tell you what's new. We started our Patreon page last month and uh, it's been going quite well. Um, we now have uh, 11 patrons. And, um, you know, it's just wonderful to, you know, have that, that kind of support and uh, know that people have faith in what we do. And, um, you know, we're really motivated to get to work and produce awesome material for you. Yeah, they're really wonderful people. And uh, they're not only supportive, but they're also, um, I think a lot of them are creative and they come with ideas. They're very proactive and curious and... I I really look forward to uh, getting to know them better. Yes, and they're all extremely attractive and bright and... (laughs) And awesome. Yeah. You forgot awesome. Super awesome. awesome. Yeah, Yeah. super awesome. They're kind of of super super humans, really. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the kind of fans we we have. Yeah, (laughs) super humans. You'd have to be a superhuman (laughs) to support us. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, and they all have kind of, uh, yeah, different... They're from different backgrounds and they have different names. It's really cool. Yes. But yeah. Speaking of names. What's in a name? Yeah. That which um, we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Oh, that sounds good. Where did you get that from? I don't know. I just invented it. Yeah. Sounds like something you would write. No, it's uh, it's from Shakespeare, of course. Everyone knows it. Um, it's Juliet, uh, Juliet referring to... Um, uh, Romeo and Juliet's last names, even if she is a Capulet and Romeo is a, a Montague, or, or how do you pronounce it? Um, and their families are rivals. Uh, she thinks that's not a reason not to be together. So that's uh, a famous quote from um, William Shakespeare's uh, Romeo and Juliet. And uh, by the way, though, I mean, I think if you were named by any other name, you just smell exactly the same. So, and you know, uh, Shakespeare. Um, by any other name, you'd smell exactly the same. That actually rhymes. So, <laughs> okay, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> um, I'm just being silly. So, where did your name come from, uh, actually? Um, actually, um, I was named after um, Saint Dominicus Savio, who was a pupil of um, the famous um, Saint. Don Bosco, who uh, was a priest and a, a very saintly boy who died when he was quite young. But um, he was an example to all the others. And, um, you know, that's why um, they named me <laughs> after him. <laughs> oh, cool. And, and um, Domin, it's actually, I know when I first met you, I had never heard of it. Uh, it's, it's not a very common name in, in Flanders, right? No, it isn't. But actually... Um, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, you know, it, it's something I have to say every time because, you know, my favorite building, which was a source of inspiration, um, is the, the Cathedral of Our Lady in Antwerp. And um, one of the architects of that was uh, also named Domine. Oh, I thought you were going to tell your new story that um, actually you went to the bakeries right. and, <laughs> and now with the... Um, the COVID uh, thing going on, only two customers can enter the bakery. And right, yeah, yeah. So I was in there, and um, there was an, a very old man in there as well, 
and uh, you know the the lady behind the counter said like um so that order was to the name of and he said domine and he said oh your name is domine too yeah i'm i'm called domine as well and so so you know the only other domine that i met um yeah like what <laughs> recently what are the odds was this very old two guy people. and yeah. you know the two pe- the, the only two customers in there were right in this were two domines yeah in that bakery it's it's uh, it's insane um, twilight zone yeah because i i'd never heard your name when i when i met you it's it's a very rare name although it it is typically it is a flemish name right it is a flemish name yeah, yeah. it's an old flemish name it's medieval so it it fits me well mine is a french name eline um I believe my parents picked it. It's not such a romantic story. Uh, I think my, my mom's a teacher and she kind of had a, a name dictionary walking around at school. So she just had to pick the, the cool. But doesn't it come there. from Helena, uh, daughter of the sun in Greek? Oh, the meaning. Yeah. But I don't think they, they really cared about that. But um, the novel Eline Vera was, <laughs> right, yeah. was very popular at that time. So it, it's a very depressing novel about a yeah, woman who commits suicide. It might have something to do with it. But I, I yeah, I'm not really fun. It's a typical Flemish book, of course. Um, Most Flemish books are about depressed people. Killing themselves. Yeah, so, so I, I don't want to mention that. Just let, Let's just say it's a, it's a French name. And I, I kind of like it. I'm... I'm I'm cool with it. It's not a very popular name. Um, it used to be at, at some point, I think about eight to ten years after I was born, uh, there was a peak of, uh, Eileen's mm. being, uh, uh I- I've known, I've known quite a few Eileen's. Um, yeah. Not, not all in the same way, but, uh, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, um, we were going to talk about um, naming characters and storytelling. Mainly, actually, we got the idea because one of our wonderful patrons um, asked us about it. Uh, the most handsome one. I, I guess. Uh, we didn't really get their picture. <laughs> no, we don't know what, what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he asked us about a couple of characters from our um, Witch Hunter uh, stories. And, and, yeah, we thought it was quite interesting to do a, a podcast around naming characters and then... And then uh, while we're talking about it, anyway, mention uh, how we came to certain uh, names in our stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there were a bunch of good suggestions uh, for what the the topic of the next podcast uh, should be. Um, But, you know, out out of their suggestions, we we picked this one, uh, but we might still, you know, do the others. Yeah, and I think it's it's something a lot of writers uh, for for any medium, um, I, I don't know which medium for audio drama or, or just novels or, or movie scripts are struggling with or, or thinking about uh, thinking of a uh, coming up with a good name that kind of rings to it. So why is it actually so important? It, it kind of is, isn't it? A good. I name. think it is. I think I think and and certainly are good friend professor tolkien would agree that uh naming characters places etc is extremely important sure yeah um if you think about it it kind of makes it easier to to identify with a character and also differentiate uh, him or her from other characters if you if you yeah if they're all called jack then and you know hi jack yeah hi jack yeah Although um, <laughs> most action movies do have a main character named That's Jack. true. That it's very common. By the way, that reminds me of of a play that I once saw um, 
a rehearsal of, and it was it was about all the characters had the same name. That sounds um, interesting. But anyway, yeah. So naming characters differentiates them, um, and of course, uh, a name uh, may say something about the character, give a certain personality, and maybe even give something away about yeah, you know. Who they are. Yeah, and, and it can make a character iconic, you know. Um, it helps if a good character has a, a, a ringing, a nice, cool name uh, to it, then and it c- can go into history forever, like uh, Anakin Skywalker or Katniss Everdeen or Clark Kent. or uh, Especially yeah. Katniss Everdeen. That sounds, you know, like a, an evergreen name. Yeah, I, I think uh, Susan Collins was particularly good at... Uh, at naming our characters, but we'll, yeah, we'll she does. She does some good stuff in we'll the Hunger Games with naming. So, where do good characters na- uh, character names come from? Uh, so, we made a, a, a little list of you know how, how we perceive you know what character names, um, how character names can come about. Yeah, and actually, the the first one is um, is the way that we usually come up with character names, right? Or at least in some cases, and and that's kind of the why we're doing this podcast because uh, the patron in question uh, on our page, um, he said, "Where did the name?" Wait, this is going to be a spoiler for the people who haven't listened to uh, the Beast of the Western Wilds yet. So, oh right, yeah. If you don't want to get the this spoiled, this yeah. story spoiled, then please stop yeah, listening. Maybe just skip ahead one or two minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, but or, yeah, uh, we're going to have a spoiler now. Good, or listen good to call. the Beast of the Western Wilds first, yeah, and then come back. First, listen to the Beast of the Western Wilds, and then uh, and then come back. So we'll wait. <clears throat> Sorry for party. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for five hours. Go on. <laughs> Audio epics. And we're back. So <laughs> where were we? Okay. Yeah. Um, where did the name Krasualdin come from? That's what he asked. Yeah, so um, what happened is actually uh, Domin was looking for a good name for, uh, for a demoness and he asked me, um, I need a name of a, of a character, but it, it, uh, it can't have a clear link to an existing language uh, and, and it's for an evil yeah. demoness. So it had to sound otherworldly, yeah. like... You know, not something that sounds in any way, you know, like it, it has some kind of root in, in, in I don't know, Germanic or, or whatever, or, or, or Latin or whatever. Nothing recognizable. It should come from another world. Yeah, not like Martha. Don't call your even evil demoness Martha. It's just not a good Well, thing. it's just the way I, you know, wanted to do it. I'm not saying that there's a one way to, to do that, but... That's what I wanted. Yeah. In this case, and when you when you told me what exactly you needed, it just right away it just came to me, and I I thought Krasuald. It it was actually like in the like in the story, like yeah, it, it really just came to me, like, like it was a whisper in my ear. <laughs> and it, and it's creepy because it makes it feel like she actually exists. Yeah, yeah, it does. I I, I still I. Th- I still think it's really difficult to to speak the name because it gives me the shivers. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I get the same thing. It, you know, it's it's um, yeah. Yeah. So so 
that's the first way um, names can just come to you. It just came to me. That's the first yeah. category of uh, yeah. So uh, for the, the the people who wondered where did that name come from, it just came to her. Yeah, to Aline. It's it's yeah. It's strange. There's no real exciting story about it. Or maybe I needed a name. She gave me one. That's it. Yeah, that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> but you know, it had to sound dark and evil but feminine at the same time that's another thing uh-huh. I, I i mentioned that as well it had yeah. to sound dark and evil and feminine at the same time right. and, that, and, and this that, name was it was all of that mysterious otherworldly dark evil and feminine yeah so it was kind of whispered in my ear by some <gasps> strange entity and i like the fact that um, that it doesn't end in ah you know because it's it's something um, that you you tend to do when you have in a fancy story you, you have female characters you always have names that end with the letter A, um, like Samina. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. I I, I like that. I I, I love uh, girls' names that end in A. Yeah, um, I, I think most people do. It sounds uh, beautiful, but I, I like the fact that you know this in this case it's different. But that brings us to uh, a second category of um, how do you pick a good character name? Uh, it can be inspired by sound. And I think you have a good story about uh, one of our characters. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Um, so here's the story. In the Will of the Woods, uh, one of the main characters is named Nuswick. And we spelled it N-U-Z-W-I-C-K. Nuswick. Uh, where did that name come from? Well, actually, it comes from I was watching a rerun of The Simpsons, <laughs> and it was the episode where um, where uh, Marge was kidnapped by a gang of bikers, and in the end, Homer has to ha- have a duel with the leader of the biker gang, who was voiced by John Goodman, by the way, but this is not important. And they were having this big fight at the end, and um, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but I remember something like um, um, Homer found out that the 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 biker, the guy, he stole his wallet or something, and um, and he gets angry and he said that was a gift from Newsweek, and he meant you know Newsweek, the the magazine. But when I heard that, he said it so quickly and angrily, Newsweek, and somehow I thought that sounds like a great name for this sort of pixie-like gnomish creature that lives in the woods kind of like uh like wicket the ewok in uh, in return of the jedi i know there's something about that and uh, that just i thought yeah that's that fits it mm. fits and that's how the name newswick came about funny thing is not too long ago a guy on youtube commented under will of the woods so what the the, the main character's name is newswick <laughs> yeah little did he know (laughs) so yeah i I told the story yeah and there are some uh other um examples like uh like like r2d2 right right yeah um r2d2 um george lucas when he was uh working on the screenplay for star wars um back in uh in the day when he was young um he was working on another movie and he was in the the sound booth with the, where they were doing the, the sound editing and one of the technicians uh said 
Okay, that's real 2, dialogue 2, but um, they had um, an abbreviation for that, and it was R2D2, and he heard that, and he thought, R2D2, that sounds like a good name for a robot. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really cool, the stories about uh, how names come to be. And uh, we, we often feel like a lot of names could make great character names or, or titles of, uh, of books or something. Yeah, we, we often joke uh, when, when someone says something weird like, oh, that would be a great title. for it. <laughs> uh, Yeah. And, and, and then we, when we imagine what it could be the title of. Yeah, and, and like anything could be a good band name, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's like, there's, um, in the, the sitcom Parks and Recreations, as Parks and Recreation, there's this, um, this whole thing about, um, Andy's, uh, band that they, they spend an entire episode, uh, talking about, oh, that would be a good band name. Oh, that would be a good band name. And in the end, it was Mouse Rat, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can pick, yeah, pick a random yeah, you, you set just of pick words. Yeah. Two words that don't fit together and you have a band name. No. Chairwood. Sure. Or uh, something. Or that do fit together, like, yeah. I don't know, Red Sweater. Okay. Oh, the newest album of Red Sweater is out. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It's really easy. Paper box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So just pick two words, put them together and it makes a good band name. It's, it's really weird. Oh, and last time we uh, saw Peter, uh, the composer of our stories, we were introduced uh, by him to a game uh, named Title of Your Sex Tape. Uh, right, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> you just have a conversation, and then at a certain yeah. point, someone says, Title of Your Sex Tape. Yeah, and, and everything becomes a double entendre, you know, yeah, everything. Everything. So that's that's what we do when we yeah. end up, actually. <laughs> I'd for- yeah, I'd forgotten about that, but indeed... <laughs> Before you know it, you're saying that all the time. Title of your sex tape. You know, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, you're tired and you say, I'm tired of this. Title of your sex tape. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, a third way, I think, to, um, to name characters is for them to be inspired by other characters. Yeah. Like, for like, example, um, Adomir. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Adomir, that's, that's another one of those things. Um, you know, the name Adomir, I, I came up with that because I wanted something at that point in the very, very early stages of Witch Hunter because it, I wanted something that sounded Tolkienish. And I was thinking of Boromir, Faramir, and I thought, hey, Adomir sounds kind of like that. And, you know, with the Ado, that sounds a bit like Adler or, you know, like yeah. German for eagle. So I thought, yeah, okay. Um, but you didn't want it to sound German or German or Slavic, right? Yeah, that's well. Thing about Adomir is that there's something mysterious about him. All the other characters in Seven Peaks have names that sound very clearly German or or Slavic, you know, Polish, Russian, and uh, in in this case, uh, his name is a bit more exotic. Um, yeah. sounds a bit more. Ancient, you makes might you say. wonder where he's from. Yeah, and then of course you can have names that are inspired by other stories, um, and I think a good example of that is in the novel "The Name of the Rose." Oh yeah, right. Which is uh, you know a very literary novel, uh, and it's kind of a me- medieval detective story at the same time. And uh, the main character who investigates murders in this monastery is called William of Baskerville. 
And yeah. that name is, of course, a combination of, you know, William, of William Ockham. of Ockham, yeah. who was, uh, you know, also uh, a philosopher and a medieval monk, I think, of the same order as, uh, as the character in, in the book. And, of course, Baskerville refers to the Hound of the Baskervilles, the famous Sherlock Holmes story. And, you know, and it's also a detective, so, you know, it, it all fits together. So it is, in fact, inspired by another character and inspired by another story at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I was getting at in a very roundabout way. And, of course, um, a character's name can also be inspired by history, as, as is often the case. And that, that's also William of Baster Baskerville. Yeah, the William part. Yeah, good point. Good point. And um, Commander Shepard in the, the Mass Effect trilogy you know, the main character, uh, his name was also inspired by an actual American astronaut, Alan Shepard, who yeah. took a trip to the moon in Apollo 14. Right. Then uh, an another way um, to get inspired if you're looking for a good character name would be uh, meaning. I think especially in science fiction and fantasy, they often put a lot of thought in the meaning uh, of, of names or in the naming process. Sometimes they just pick a word with the quality of that character or the essence or something in, in, uh, yeah, in, in the original language or a foreign language uh, or in any other language. Yeah. And I think that really fits if you're doing a story with archetypes, you know, where the, the yeah. name really, when, when in uh, an archetype, you know, like the, the character has evil. a specific meaning. And when the name, the name really refers to what the meaning of that character is. Actually, I think um, a good example is Gandalf. Yeah? Well, yeah, yeah, because apparently, um, I don't know exactly, but Alf is, is actually an old English word for an otherworldly creature, could be an elf. And uh, Gand refers to one who can do magic, wizardry. Mm. So um, an otherworldly wizard, Gandalf. Um, and cool thing is, the first thing that Gandalf says in the book is, okay, I'm Gandalf, Gandalf and, and Gandalf, Gandalf means me. me. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's a lot going on there. Did not know that. Okay. Um, by the awesome. way, um, I want to take a small break to have a sip of tea. <laughs> yeah. And perhaps read some wisdom. So I'm having, what is this? Um, ah, rooibos vanilla tea. And I have a little piece of wisdom on it that says, Everlasting impact with compassion and kindness is called love. Hmm, good to know. So, okay, my tea label says, You have not to find out the reality. You are the reality. Wow, that's deep. So deep. I'm just I don't get it. <laughs> Sounds Wait. like something from the Matrix. Or something in another language. Right. So let's move on talking about other languages. Um, we, we came up with a couple of examples, um, from all kinds of stories. Like, um, a Flemish Dutch example is Darth Vader, actually, because, uh, yeah. Vader, um, means father in, in Dutch. Or yeah. I mean, spelled the same way, but yeah. pronounced differently. We say yeah. Vader. Yeah. And Darth sounds kind of similar to dark. So, uh, a lot of people actually mistakenly say Dark Vader, so... Yeah, it's true. And, and in French, he's actually called Dark Vador. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so 
Lucas intended that name to sort of vaguely suggest the Dark Father. But for us in the Dutch-speaking countries, it was really, really obvious right away that it meant Dark Father. And we really like to play with that in our um, in our stories, you know, because we are Flemish. We happen to be Flemish, so we better do something with it. And a yeah. lot of Flemish names just sound completely different if an Englishman would pronounce them. And that's another pool of interesting ideas, of course, we can yeah. use. And also, uh, I have to add that in the Witch Hunter setting, the countries are based on real European countries because, you know, it, much like in Warhammer, which was our main inspiration, but at the same time, of course, we also want to sort of do our own thing with that. But like in Warhammer, um, the countries of the world are very much, you know, inspired by real countries and the languages yeah. are the same, etc., and we have a Netherlands and the, and the Belgium. Flatland. <laughs> yeah. And Linecrest. Yeah. And, and there the characters have Dutch names and, you know, speak Dutch. And we're going to use that. At some point. Yeah. So and the cities, etc., they all have names, you know, in our language, which is really fun for us. Yeah. It's not being original. We're just lazy. So. <laughs> you got to use what you have, right? Uh, we've got a language that not many people know. So why not use that? Sure. Um, oh yeah, we we also have Latin. Um, for example, in the Hunger Games, you you got the the capital versus the dicks. The <laughs> <laughs> capital versus the dicks. <laughs> yeah, they're dicks. No, the capital. Yeah, are they dicks. are the dicks. <laughs> <laughs> the capital versus the districts. So um, you got modern Roman, uh, for example, uh, Plutarch Heavensby, uh, which is kind of a combination of the the Plutarch is kind of an old name, and then Heaven to Be is kind of a modern thing. So it yeah, still appeals it, to a young crowd. It's, of, it's got that, you know, yeah. it's got the Latin part, Plutarch, and then it's got the the English part, Heaven's Be. Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say it sounds mod. It sounds very old fashioned, but still English. And then in the districts, I think um, Susan Collins does a real good job um, having these names that kind of match the the district because all districts are. A bit different, yeah. And depending on what, like they you have uh, glitter and or, or glamour, or yeah. what was it? And yeah. and then in District Twelve, where where they have uh, this forest and uh, they use a lot of herbs, they uh, they also have these um, the names of of the plants that grow there, and they're all, they're also exotic names. So like Katniss and and Prim is is uh, short for Primrose. So the, a lot of the characters in District Twelve have names that refer to. Uh, um, plants or weather conditions like gale um, or um, nature yeah yeah they're very close to nature I don't know what a pita is though it's something you you eat like yeah. a, a bun of bread and you put yeah meat in it's kind of we always joke about the name <laughs> pita melark because if you pronounce it a bit differently <laughs> yeah it's a pita melok <laughs> is you know would be a Flemish dialect for a a pita with garlic. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's a joke I always make. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And uh, yeah, about Latin. Latin is, of course, uh, or, you know, ancient languages like that. Classical languages are great. They always sound cool. Um, and of course, Warhammer 40,000, for example, uses a lot of, uh, you know, names like that. And, and of course, also biblical Hebrew names like Caiaphas and Abaddon, etc. 
adds to the gothic feel, I think. Yeah, and J.K. Rowling is also famous for using Latin names in Harry Potter. Um, but I think that's a, a good example of um, kind of a a warning for people using Latin names that, I don't know, but I think here in Belgium, a lot of people kind of have a notion of Latin, at least. Yeah, at least a bit. Yeah, because... I, I never really studied Latin, but um, actually she kind of spoiled um, the book three for me because she named a character Lupin and there was uh, some werewolf activity going on. And of course I knew immediately, yeah, that's Professor Lupin, who is a werewolf because Lupin is, uh, sounds like lupus, which means wolf. So Yeah, and in French it's Lou. So. Yeah. And I, I think perhaps that's a good example of you should be careful about that because you can really spoil things if you do it too much on the nose. True, if you don't want to spoil it. I did like the name uh, Aragog, uh, though, for example. Uh, you know, because the first yeah. part, Ara, refers to Arachna, you know, spider, yeah. that's Greek. But then Gog sounds like something big and nasty and... Aragog. Yeah, exactly. And then you have um like French names like um uh, Voldemort. Uh, Voldemort. It kind of reveals his motivation, mm. but it doesn't spoil anything really. Mm. Or maybe just a little. But you know, it's it's a children's book. But if if there's werewolf activity going on and one of your characters is actually named after wolf then it's it's too obvious and especially if you wanted to make a reveal later in the story then it's kind of it's kind of maybe a bad move to do that and then uh, you could also use spanish um yeah for example um hidalgo which is kind of a contraction or a, a corruption which uh, refers to uh, hijo de algo uh, which means um son of somebody and um, and then you have Turkish, like with uh, Aslan. Right, yeah, Aslan um, is is just Turkish for lion. Yeah, which is one of the two words we know in Turkish. Yes, we know two words in Turkish. One is Aslan, and the other is ekmek, which means bread. Yes, because I don't know. We we were on a holiday in in France, and uh, we met a Turkish man, and we got to talking, and. I don't know, for some reason, we both remember that he, <laughs> he told us that bread in Turkish was ekmek. <laughs> and then you got uh, Greek words in, um, in stories. Like in the movie Gattaca, uh, which is all about eugenics, uh, one of the, uh, the main characters is called Eugene. And, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, you have to have the right genes to yeah. be able to. That's so, pretty on the nose too, but yeah. it's deliberate. It's still elaborate. <laughs> and in The Lion King, actually, most characters have uh, African names. But uh, Timon, apparently, um, his name is Greek and means worthy. Um, uh, it means respect. It means honor. Because, you know, he's an honorable friend, I guess. Yeah. And there are indeed a, a lot of African languages used in uh, The Lion King. Like, uh, I think most are Swahili, uh, like Rafiki, which means uh, friend. Simba is a lion or a power, so it's kind of the, the equivalent of Aslan, but then in Swahili. 
And then Nala means uh, gift or beloved. And Pumba means stupid. Yeah, that's fitting. <laughs> and actually, uh, you've learned Swahili uh, at university, right? Yeah, a bit, a little bit. It was we had to take uh, a course in an exotic language, uh, a, a non-European language. <clears throat> I chose Swahili. It really sounds. It has a, a great sound to it. I think it, I really love it. And then uh, another African language that is used in the Lion King is Manasoto, because Mufasa apparently means uh, king in Manasoto. I knew it meant king, but I, I didn't know that it was uh, Manasoto instead of Swahili. Right. So um, a lot of um, examples of languages that have uh, names that have specific meanings in different languages. Um, is there any other um, way to name characters that you can think of? Yeah, they could be uh, inspired by by language as such. Uh, like there, there are a lot of puzzles or, or acronyms or anagrams. Um, a famous example of an anagram is in the Matrix with uh, Neo, which is uh, an anagram of one. And it's also the Greek word for new. Really? Yeah. And and he is the the one who makes things new and he he is the one because he's the one who can see he takes the red pill and then there's morpheus which is the god of sleep so lots of examples now that we've discussed some of the ways that you can name characters let's talk about you know uh, there must be more ways of course and you can you know um if you if you got other name uh, other ways to name your characters uh, if you're a writer or something Please uh, share it with us in the comment section um, because we're really curious about other ways you use to to name characters. You know what I what I do wonder sometimes is when you have you know your average movie like your average action romantic comedy uh, police thriller whatever you have ordinary characters with ordinary names. Yeah. What are they based on? I wonder sometimes. Well, sometimes I, I'm one of those rare people who looks at the credits. Uh, I think you are too, and sometimes. I've noticed that um, sometimes they they name characters clearly after crew members, <laughs> or maybe people who who died during production, or they they uh, they kind of do that, or before production probably because if they died during production, they're not gonna record the whole thing again and then change the names probably. No. Or maybe yeah, I don't know. If you're a writer for screenplays, uh, you you. Maybe you love your grandma and you name characters after your grandma. It's <laughs> possible. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Or your girlfriend. Probably very cute reasons uh, why characters are named that way. Yeah. But I think even um, ordinary movies uh, that, that just um, are set in the here and now, they can have characters that have names that, that have certain meaning or... Right, yeah, I was just thinking of The Wedding Singer, where the main character is called Robbie Hart. So, you know, he's got yeah. a big heart. And he's this touchy-feely type, yeah. so I guess, yeah. <laughs> it's just an example that came to me. I don't know if it means anything. So, um, what's a good name? Um, if you think of a good character name, is there something or some character in particular that pops up? Well, of course, if you are, for example, doing a, a historical story or something set in a certain place, the names should make sense for that setting. You yeah. know, like if you're doing, I don't know, um, something set in medieval China and the character's name is Jonathan, 
Um, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, unless it does make sense because of the story. Maybe Jonathan yeah, sure. was uh, an orphan, or I don't know. But <laughs> but overall, indeed, I think historical correctness is seriously underrated in in storytelling. Almost every historical movie made in Hollywood is wrong <laughs> in some major way. Of course, if you have a, a fantasy setting with a historical feel to it, then just go nuts. Of course, yeah. But again, even then, I would say the names should should fit, um, and they should fit together. Um, yeah, that's that's perhaps uh, a second thing. Uh, consider your lore if you're writing fantasy, because names should really match the the culture of your setting. And maybe they're influenced by your magic or religion system, or maybe there's a tradition in your setting that determines the the naming process of your children. Uh, it can contribute so much if you if you just reckon with that. For example, in, in fantasy, it's it's I think it's important to pick similar names within the same invented culture. Like you you don't have a a John with a brother Ikutsok um, or something. Unless there's a good reason for that in the story, like I mentioned before. Yeah, I, I, so I think it's a balance that you have to find. It's a balance because on the one hand, you want in this fictitious culture um, the character names to feel like they belong to the same world and, and the same language and, and they belong together. And you can have na- So you have to have names that sort of sound alike. Mm-hmm. But then again... If you have lots of characters, you also don't want them to all sound too much alike because then it becomes confusing. Yeah. So that's, I think, really the, the sort of the, the the line you have to straddle. Actually, in a that, that's something we um, we were really aware of when we named our boys. Um, our first boy was named Ronan. It had two syllables: O, A, and, and then our second son was named Liam, and that's um, I A. So if you call them to, if you're going uh, to have dinner and you call them from afar, they they don't get mixed up that way if you have different uh, sounds in it. And on the other hand, uh, Ronan is a a Celtic name and we wanted uh, for our second son to to have a Celtic name as well. We didn't really look at the meaning um, much. We, we, We know about the meaning, like um, Ronan means little seal. But it's not like we we really wanted that name for its meaning. It's just it's kind of cute. But it was really the sound that that made us pick these names, right? Yeah, yeah. In the case of our kids, exactly. And they kind of fit together. They don't rhyme or something, but yeah. it's that's not necessary. Just yeah, for our kids, we kind of use the same logic. You know, they they have to fit together and belong to the same world, so to speak. Um, I think most parents feel that way about yeah. uh, you know their kids, and they are very different, but they're also very similar. So that's yeah, it's something that I really enjoy about naming characters in fantasy. Like, for let's say, for example, we have this uh, mysterious uh, fantasy world where characters have names like Kelek and Aklik or something, mm-hmm. you know, and then you you start to hear okay, so. You have these harsh K sounds and you have yeah. lots of L's and, you know, okay, you, you get a feel for what names are like in that culture. And that helps to sort of set the feel of, yeah. of that setting. And you get immersed 
And and uh, that that's another thing we we really uh, thought was important uh, that the the names of our children should be pronounceable both in Flemish and in English, and uh, that's that's what we uh, we were looking for. And Ronan and Liam, and those are perfect names um, in English, and and they're um, common in 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 Flanders as well. Although Ronan is not very common here, but Liam was very, very popular a couple of years ago. So uh, we don't really look at popularity either. But uh, the pronunciation is uh, is really important, though. And, and I think it, it goes for fantasy or, or any other novel uh, you write as well, um, that you should pick a pronounceable name. Yeah, I think actually if you're writing a novel and there's no audiobook version... A lot of fantasy writers don't think about this at all. They just come up with a name that they like and a spelling that they like, and they don't seem to think, you know, that maybe the readers in their heads will pronounce it completely differently. I noticed that with Robert Jordan. He has some pretty weird names spelled in a weird way, and it's easy to pronounce them completely differently in your head. And then you hear the audiobook, and, oh, is that what that character's name <laughs> So a character name is not what your three-year-old types on your phone because that could be an inspiration, a source of inspiration. But nah. <laughs> Like 333TX quotation mark percent. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, something especially fantasy and sci-fi writers should um, think of. Like the, the character Drist. Uh, uh, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Dr- it's Dridst. 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 Yeah, sorry. Dridst. Dridst. <laughs> And he's actually one of the most popular D&D characters out yeah, there. Yeah, I just don't want to read that book for, <laughs> because I couldn't live with a difficult name like that. There's a board game too, The Legend of Dridst. So it's Dridst, good to know. Um, well, yeah, you can find exotic sounding names that are still very easy to pronounce. And uh, and Susan Collins is, a, is a, again, a very good example. She does that really well in the Hunger Games, you can pronounce all the names perfectly, but still they feel like, yeah, they, f- they kind of feel otherworldly, like they're from a different age, a different yeah, era. Yeah, exactly, and and also from a specific district. These names of characters uh, tell you a lot of things about the character without actually being too much on the nose, because I think um, it's also important to take psychology and character background into account if you pick a name. Uh, it's not necessary, but it, it can be really interesting. For example, who who picked the name? You can wonder um, who picked the name. Was the character found as a baby and put in an orphanage? Was it just named by by its parents? What are the parents like? Um, for example, if they wanted a boy very badly and got a girl, they might have called their daughter Johnny. Or if they're hippies, they might call her Rainbow or Valley. If they're big Lord of the Rings fans, they might call their children Gandalf and Eowyn. That's what people thought we would do, but yeah, we found that a bit over the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to each their own. But. <laughs> oh, and I had a, a pacifist vegan character in Skyrim called Sunshine Sky Blossom. <laughs> okay. Just, I like to pick names that immediately, especially when playing games, it's... It's not something you want to publish, so it's just you know, fun. You know, you should do Let's Plays on YouTube, and I think you, you'd get a thousand billion subscribers, 
and uh, you'd make lots of money just by playing Skyrim. Nobody wants because to see you you're so good at role playing in Skyrim. Uh, there's still people out there, you know, who who are, who are interested in watching people play Skyrim. I just I just can't imagine wasting my time watching someone else play Skyrim. <laughs> it's it's popular. I mean, you have an entire platform, Twitch, mm. which is an which is completely devoted to you know people playing video games wow. and watching that live yeah maybe um, i should so. then I just i don't have time to play skyrim because i have to write but if a, skyrim becomes story. your job <laughs> then i still need to write stories <laughs> i was kidding oh I, I i just came up uh with another example in in the bird box which is a, a movie that we recently watched the main character named the children um one her own and and one adopted boy and girl because it, it was made clear from the beginning of the story that she didn't quite embrace the idea of becoming a mom at all so so that's also a way that names can contribute to your character's personality or the story arc yeah that's true um also we also recently watched indiana jones and the last crusade and uh, there was also a, a, a nice element in there that with Indiana Jones, his real name is Henry Jones Jr. Right. And his father is called Henry. And, um, you know, his dad is in the whole movie. And he <laughs> always calls him Jr. Right? Right. And, and, and Indy gets upset and he says, Dad, don't call me Jr. But then at the end, when he's hanging at the cliff, yeah. that's when his father first calls him Indiana, which is what he wants to be called. Yeah, and that was the name of his dog, apparently. Actually, so, actually, actually, it was the name of George Lucas's dog as well. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and he was named. Character was named after his fictional dog. So the character um, Indiana Jones wants to be named after his dog instead of his father, which also immediately um, tells you something about his relationship with his father, which is <laughs> well, yeah. let's say troublesome. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think I think that's the lovely thing about that movie. I think is that whole relationship between the father and the son and how they find each other. So you can just steal a name from your dog, man. That's that's another thing. Uh, yeah, my dog was called Igor. That would be a good name for uh, for. Uh, yeah, that sounds kind of Russian. So it could could be a yeah. Parslavanian name. Maybe we should put your dog in uh, the witch hunter setting. <laughs> oh, there's a a, pat a patron uh, that we were we are putting in our next witch hunter story as well because right we had we have one saint among right. our patrons and if you pick that tier we um we pick your name and we uh, we put it in our setting yeah. one one way or another we we turn it into a village or a character or whatever um. So stay tuned and you'll find out. But um, yeah, what I wanted to say is that you it's best not to plagiarize existing people or characters, unless it's a clear tribute, of course, if you want to write modernist fiction or whatever. But uh, there's, for example, there's only one Captain Ahab, and there's only one Katniss, one Bilbo. If you, if you name your character Bilbo Stevens, then everyone thinks <laughs> of... You know, bit, yeah... <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, you could use the fact that, for example, his parents were big Hobbit yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. In, in, indeed, if if you if it has. Uh, and I think Bilbo Stevens is a hilarious <laughs> name. <laughs> it it can it can tell you something about the parents or the story. Then then it's fine. <laughs> 
and and I think a last thing you should be uh, careful about is if you're naming different or, or several characters, their names should be different enough that they they don't get mixed up, especially in big fantasy books where you got a lot of characters. That's really hard if you have to, um, especially if they're all exotic names, you have to really remember. Uh, that's something that uh, certainly in the Silmarillion, Professor Tolkien really doesn't care about. <laughs> <laughs> he just uh, picks the name that fits uh, the character, and he doesn't he doesn't care whether you know you're going to remember it as a reader or not. But that's part of why that book doesn't feel like it was written for an audience as some kind of you know here's my book, uh, some commercial endeavor it feels like actual history because it's so but still, non-commercial you, you got um you got names that sound uh, kind of similar or that rhyme like uh, like bilbo and frodo they have this the, the kind of same ring to it but it's still different enough like faramir boromir it's still different yeah I, I was talking about the silmarillion yeah. not not about lord of the rings no but they're not gonna turn the silmarillion into a movie probably I kind of hope not. <laughs> but um, actually, you know, there there was this parody of um, way back before the movies. There was this parody book uh, based on Lord of the Rings. And it was called Board of the Rings. That was the parody. And then um, they followed that up with um, the Silmarillion. And their parody of that was the Cellamillion. <laughs> uh, that's clever but you know I was thinking that's really completely wrong because it makes it sound as if the Silmarillion was this commercial book that was written for the money like yeah right have you read it <laughs> this is not what a commercial book reads like what was a very commercial move it was the the movie we recently watched the the fellowship of the ring. <laughs> ah, yeah, right. The yeah, we watched the the nineteen eighties Soviet version of the Lord of the Rings, which was we watched it all the way through in multiple settings because it was it was too boring to watch uh, in, in one, one go. go. Yeah, I would call it interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to say the least. Um, it so apparently in the 80s it was like a school play in the 80s <laughs> the, the the russians made their own uh, lord of the rings uh soviet uh russia they just blatantly plagiarized it right well well i mean it they they followed the book and they they followed it quite quite correctly and had the characters with the same names etc yeah but i i doubt they had the rights to no do no they pro- i don't think they care about rights in any way, shape, or form. But um, actually, I thought it was completely and utterly awful. It really was it was terrible. But at the same time, it had a kind of heart to it that I found admirable. You know, like, they did do it. I mean, they did actually do it. They did the whole... Uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, yeah, they did, and it was it was the most faithful adaptation um, to the book, I guess, uh, that I've watched. In a way, because it was the only one that had Tom Bombadil in it and the Barrow Whites. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but in other ways, I mean, everything looked wrong, everything felt wrong. It was ugly. The music was awful. The acting was horrific. 
It, um, but I'm I'm sure there are some fans who think this is the better version uh, <laughs> compared to Peter Jackson's because it, it's not it's not commercial and uh, yeah you, you always have people like that you know yeah. just want to be interesting they they just there are people who prefer uh, cardboard uh, swords with uh, aluminum foil instead of a real prop made by Wetter Workshop yeah it, I mean. It's charming, I'll give it that. It's charming in a way, but I mean, I don't consider it an actual adaptation. You know, it's just... And, and the, the characters were really weird. The Frodo was like this psychotic, bipolar... He really freak. reminded yeah. me of Rowan Atkinson in his he Blackadder looked, days. Yeah, he looked like Rowan Atkinson yeah. very much. And he... Yeah, and Lothlorien, what was that? It was... It was just, it was mind-bogglingly dreadful. Lorian, it, like, it was like this uh, cult with drapes and, and flowers and like, like a, a hippie <laughs> cult or something. Yeah. And then, and then the Balrog, he was just, they, they didn't just, they didn't dare to do that. So. They just skipped the Balrog. Yeah, it was like Aragorn crossing a bridge and then crossing it back and then saying something to the group. And then everyone crying. So I guess he he told everyone that he had watched Gandalf die or something. I that's what I what I thought was happening too. But yeah, it was in Russian, so <laughs> no Russian, subtitles. Our Russian is a bit rusty. <laughs> but I I loved you know the way like they pronounced the names Gandalf and uh, Frodo yeah. and Morda. Yeah, I I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, it was um, it was awesome. <laughs> it was it was it was really so bad. It's good. Yeah, it was the like Tommy Wiseau had directed uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> oh yeah, and then we were um, uh, we were talking about sim- similar names and how they can be confusing. We have this children's series in in Flanders that's um, called Boomba. And and that's about a, a clown who actually looks creepy, but for some reason all the, the toddlers really love him. Time to float! Ah, <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> and then uh, Boomba has a, a friend who's called Boomba Lou. And then there's a baby who's called Baby Lou. And then you have uh, Buddy, which is the lion. And there's a lot of names that really sound alike. And and it's it's made for the really smallest children. And I think it's a it's a bad move because they really get. Yeah, you know what what, what what I find really strange is they actually remember it. They get it right. Our two year old remembers all of those names. Yeah, now he does. But he did um, confuse Boomba and Boombaloo at first. He thought right. he thought all the characters were Boomba, <laughs> and um, and the same goes for uh, Peppa Pig, um, which is confusing for our smallest son since um, in Dutch. Uh, daddy is Papa, so it's Papa Pig, and um, yeah. for him, Peppa and Papa is is it's too similar. So he, he makes Peppa, he turns Peppa into Papa as well. But of course, you don't have that in English, and luckily, Netflix turns Peppa Pig uh, in English after a couple of episodes again, and and we stop bothering. So he just watches it in English now, and <laughs> now he calls us mommy and daddy. <laughs> He does. He does. It's true. He says, Mommy, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. He does. So, yeah. Um, 
maybe you still have something interesting to say about uh, your novel or your um, role-playing game that you uh, you DM'd, and and maybe you got other ways to to find cool character names that you want to share. Then please um, mention them in the comment section because we're really curious about uh, your naming process and and what you think are great names in storytelling. What are your favorite names in storytelling and such? So before we go, we want to um, thank our patrons again. We thank all of our listeners, of course. But um, as we promised, we want to do a special mention of uh, of our patrons. Uh, all, everyone who contributes in the uh, the Witch Hunter tier or above is mentioned in our podcasts. So um, that was Amy Austin, Joseph Stowell, Kat Mosseri, or I hope I'm not butchering your name, Mix and match. I don't know your real name. Um, that, you know, uh, that's also his YouTube channel, by the way. Mix and match. Um, you should check it out. He does, uh, mashup videos, of, you know, of songs where he takes two different artists doing the same song and mashes it up and makes it one video. Uh, Michael Gosling, Mikael Fick, Namalin A, and Joshua Ward. Oh, and Matt, sorry, <laughs> Matt Patain, um, who, who is actually our uh, biggest contributor, apparently. So, yeah, so his name will probably turn up in the, the next yes. um, story, which our patrons already know uh, which story that's going to be. But we are still keeping it a secret, if you don't mind. Yes, of course. Um you know, there are certain advantages when you're a patron. Not saying you have to be, just saying there are certain advantages. But you can become a patron and become part of our community and be an insider and know all of our secrets from $1 a month. So yep. actually for one lousy dollar a month, you can uh, you can be an insider and know everything there is to know about us and communicate with us because we're very accessible. We are, we are, we're very accessible. Despite our enormous fame, we're still very ordinary and <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Okay. Thanks for listening once more. And, uh, we hope to see you again next time. And, you know, you have a great, uh, great day. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>